a shout out to those who are watching live stream. We welcome you into the Lord's house today. Well, I want to get started with a story, okay? Y'all like stories, don't you? Has absolutely nothing to do with my sermon, but I want to tell the story anyway, okay? You good with it? Oh, well, okay, seven of you, that's great. Hey, uh, my, my house was built uh, 1997 when we moved in, and they didn't put enough insula insulation in the attic when they built it, and so we've had a deficit of insulation through the years, and it's just kind of gotten worse through the years. Last few years, my uh, my gas bill in the wintertime is outrageous. In the summertime, my uh, air unit works all the time just to try to keep up because there's not enough insulation in the attic. Well, I decided I'm going to solve that problem, so I uh, called a company out that blows insulation in your attic. Okay, you know, are you with me? All right. So they bring this big truck out, back it up my driveway, and they open the back of it up, and there's this big hopper, this big machine in the back with all this insulation, and it actually takes two guys to run this thing. One guy's in the truck, he's feeding the hopper, and it's grinding up this insulation. Then there's this big hose that goes up into my attic where the second man is up there blowing the insulation and filling up my attic with insulation, okay? So they come out on Tuesday, uh, the boss man comes with them, we all climb up in the attic, he says, boy, you're right, you're way down on insulation. He says, Willie, Willie's going to be the one up there shooting these. He said, Willie, I want you to do a good job, make sure you get over in that corner and do this. And Willie says, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to do a good job for this man. He needs a good job because he's losing a lot of heat up here. And I'm going to do good. And so, you know, I'm feeling pretty good about it. Everything's good. Boss man leaves. Uh, Jesse, he's the other guy. He's out there in the truck. He's feeding the hopper. Willie's up in the attic. He's filling my attic with insulation. Man, I'm happy. I, I go back down to the house and I'm doing some work. A little bit later, Angie comes home and, and she goes in the bedroom and I follow her in there and we're talking, having this conversation about what's going on in our lives. And all of a sudden, I, I hear a crash. And then I hear, Jesse, turn it off. Jesse, turn it off. And, and I look at Angie, and Angie looks at me, and, you know, we just, what does he mean, turn it off? And he yells again, Jesse! And Angie says, he's in desperation. And so I, I come around the corner from my bedroom into the hallway, and there I see Willie's leg hanging down from my ceiling in my hallway. And I, I go up underneath it, and there's this big old hole in my ceiling, huge hole. And I say, Willie, are you okay? He says, no, I'm hooked bad. I'm hooked bad. And I said, okay, I'm coming. And I run out in the garage and I yell at Jesse, Jesse, turn it off. Willie's down. And he's hurt bad. I fly up in the attic and sure enough, there's Willie, man. He's hurt bad. He's, I mean, he's hurt real bad. I pull him out of that hole that he's made in my ceiling. And I help him down the, 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 the ladder, the stairway ladder going up to the attic. And, and man, he's just hurting. I said, well, what are you guys going to do now? Willie says, well, I'm going to get in the truck and work the hopper. And Jesse's going to go finish the job. I said, okay. And so Jesse gets up there and he's blowing in my attic. And I decide I better go up there and check on old Jesse. So I go up there and start talking to him. And come to find out Jesse's never done this before. He's always fed the hopper out there. Never been in the attic. I'm not feeling as good now. So I go back in the house. Angie fixes a, a sandwich and we're sitting there eating and watching TV and I hear another crash. 
I look down the hallway, and I'm seeing Jesse's boot from the attic. I got two holes in my hallway ceiling. And I go down up there, and I say, Jesse, you're okay? Jesse says, yeah, but I sure am sorry. I said, I think we need to call the boss, man. <laughs> I got an attic full of insulation and two holes in my ceiling. Somebody asked me this week, said, well, what did you and Miss Angie do? And I said, well, we did what the only thing we could do. We laughed about it. Yeah, We laughed about it. So is life. Amen? Adversity. Hey, we're talking about holy habits that help us move towards spiritual progress in our lives. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, train yourself for godliness. Okay? Train yourself to be godly. We don't just try to be godly. We train ourselves to be godly. There is no spiritual growth and progress apart from an encounter with God through His Word. Alright? Now open your Bibles to James chapter 1 or you can watch on the screen behind me. James is writing to a group of believers who were scattered in various places and cultures. But one thing remains the same. No matter where we live or when we live, our spiritual progress is directly linked to our experience with God in His Word. Okay, Everything is based on the Word. Our growth is based on the Word of God. So to begin, let's look at James chapter 1, verse 19. James says, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. So right there it is. There is a righteous life that God desires. And God wants you to live that righteous life. God has saved us and God has given us life through His Son, Jesus Christ. But the shaping of that life into the likeness of Jesus and into the holiness of God is an ongoing partnership between God and you. Okay, Here's what I said last week. God has given you everything you need to live the Christian life. It's available to you. Okay, He's given it to you. But we have to do our part. We've got to partner up with God and train ourselves to be godly people. Look on in verse 21. It says, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. Okay? If you're going to get, live this righteous life God has called you to live, and you're going to train yourself to be godly, here's the first thing you need to do. You need to get rid of all the moral filth. That little phrase, get rid of, means to once and for all lay it aside. To take it off and lay it aside. The, 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 uh, the picture that he's drawing there is taking off a dirty, soiled garment and laying it aside. Have, how many of you guys, talking to guys right now, how many of you have ever gotten really dirty doing something outside and you come home and your wife won't let you in the house because you're too dirty? Anybody relate to that? Uh, years ago, I started as a, as a youth pastor in Enid, Oklahoma. And uh, being a good youth pastor, I did things with my youth, whatever they did, I wanted to do. Uh, that's why I had to buy a dirt bike. 
That was my logic in buying a motorcycle, dirt bike, because the kids in my youth group had one, so I bought one, and, and I took them out riding dirt bikes one Saturday, came back at the end of the day, and I was covered in mud and muck from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. I was just caked in mud. And I, I tried to come in the house, and Angie said, you're coming in this house. I said, well, what, what do you want me to do? She said, you go around to the backyard. And so I just marched around to the backyard, and she got a water hose after me. You know, hose me down. That's what this is saying. Get rid of, take it off, lay it aside. And the way in which we get rid of moral filth is there in verse 21. Humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. When the gospel, that is the word of God, is preached, it's like a seed that is planted in our hearts. And when that seed falls on the right kind of soil in the heart, it begins to sprout and grow and produce fruit. And it changes your life from the inside out. So a person is saved when, by faith, they humbly accept and receive the message of God. And after we are saved, we continue to humbly accept the Word as God uses it to sanctify us, and to shape us into the people He wants us to be. Are you with me? So James continues in verse 22, and this is what he says. Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like a man who looked at his face in a mirror and, after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. And boy, I pray the Lord blesses us today as we learn to do what he's told us to do. So. Here is the imperative that we are to obey, church. All right, We're talking about holy habits. And here's the holy habit we need to pick up today. That is, humbly accept the Word that has been planted in our heart. That's it. Accept the Word that has been planted in our heart. And then in the following verses, there are three actions related to accepting the Word of God. So here's the, here's the imperative. Humbly accept the Word of God. How do we do that? Three ways. You ready for the three? Number one, listen to the Word. You listen to the Word. Now, our God is a revealing God. And He has revealed Himself through many ways. First and foremost, He revealed Himself through His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, before Christmas, we preached on John chapter 1. That passage calls Jesus the Word of God. All right? But He also reveals Himself to us through the Bible, which is the written Word of God. That Bible that you have holding in your hands. Now, if the God of the entire universe has revealed Himself to mankind, we ought to try to discover what He has shown us. Not only about Himself, but also about the life that He wants us to live. Doesn't that just make sense? Here we have the God of the universe who spoke a word and the worlds came into order. He has a word for us. 
Doesn't it just make good sense that we listen to what that word is? Verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word. There's our phrase. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. You do what it says. Now, obviously from this verse, we do not only just listen to the word. It doesn't stop there. But that's where it starts. Alright? Right here's where it begins. This is our first exposure to the Word. What we do with the Word is going to be addressed later in this message. But this is where it begins. We listen to the Word. Now I want you to remember the, the early church, the first church. The members of the early church didn't have copies of the Bible. They don't have bookstores where they just go down or a Walmart where they go down and buy a Bible. Very few people in the church had the written Word of God. In fact, the New Testament wasn't even completed at this time. They just had the Old Testament. And maybe only the preacher or maybe one of the elders in the church had a copy of certain scriptures. This letter that James wrote would be a letter that was written and then copied and circulated to the various churches. And a preacher or teacher would stand in front of the congregation and he would read the Word of God to the people of God. And their first exposure to the Word of God would be listening to it. It was not a private thing. It was a corporate thing. Are you with me? Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and preaching, to the fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayer. Colossians 3.16, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that I have a copy of God's Word that's my very own. I'm thankful for my Bible. And I can go down to the store, I can buy a Bible, have the whole canon of Scripture, it's my own. I can read it on my own. I have it on my phone. That's how I read my daily devotions, the Bible, on my phone. It's incredible. I'm thankful that all of us have access to God's Word. But, you don't get all that you need from God's Word by just reading it in a private setting. We must listen to it in community with other believers as it is taught and preached by our pastor and our Bible teachers. And one of the goals of our pastoral team for this coming year is to see more of our people actively involved in Bible study on Sunday nights. Why? Well, it's not because we just want to have bigger numbers that we can put in the bulletin. No, not at all. It's because we want to see every member and as many guests as we can invite having a life-changing encounter listening to God's Word as it is publicly read and taught in the community of believers. Okay? So the first way we accept or receive the Word of God in our lives is that we just listen to it. It's what you're doing today, most of you. Yeah. Next, number two, we look into it. If we are to accept the Word and embrace and receive the Word, it's going to have to go deeper than just listening to it or hearing it read. 
We need a deeper engagement with the Word of God. That's what James is describing in verse 25. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. So, we must not just listen to the Word. We must look into the Word. When it talks about the man who looks intently into the perfect law, that simply means to stoop sideways or to stoop down so as to inspect it. It's talking about looking intently at it. You get the picture? I don't know about you, but my eyesight's going on me. I, sometimes I can't even see people who are out there. Y'all are just a blur to me sometimes. But but even reading things up close, I, I was trying to read some instructions the other day, and I man, I couldn't I couldn't adjust to them. I thought, what is wrong here? I'm getting old. <laughs> That's what it is. But I really had to strain. I had to, I had to focus. I was looking intently at it. That's the picture here. You're intently looking into the Word of God. I, I think a, a great illustration of this is just to compare the, the, the different ways that, that men and women shop. Okay? Now, I'm not stereotyping anybody. Are you with me? I'm just talking in general terms here. But from what I've seen, men and women are, are different breeds when it comes to shopping. You women really know how to shop. Okay? I'm going to compliment you. Most of you ladies are great shoppers. Good job. You're good. You're good. Okay? I'm, I'm, I'm just going to get real specific here. Grocery store shopping. Y'all are awesome. Some of you ladies, you know, okay, I need to go to that store to get the meat because they have the best meat in town. That store has the best chicken. They have the freshest vegetables over there. I can get the best deal on canned goods at this store. You know where it's at. You're great shoppers. You study those stores. You know them like the back of your hand, right? Men aren't that way. Again, I'm speaking in general terms, but men aren't that way. I hate going to the grocery store. It's a disaster when I go to the grocery store. Angie may call me and say, hey, if you want dinner, you got to stop at the store. Stop over there at Harps and get so-and-so. And here's what I do every time. I go, really? Because it's going to be a struggle. I know it's going to be a struggle. She knows it's going to be a struggle. Okay? But she'll send me a picture of exactly what I'm supposed to get her, okay? And, and she'll say, Don't, now listen to me. Here's what she said. Now listen to me. I'm going to tell you exactly where it's at. You walk through the door, okay? That's our starting place. You go to aisle five. You go halfway down that aisle and you turn to your left. From the top, you go two-thirds of the way down on the shelf, and there's going to be three rows of what I'm talking about. I want the one in the middle. Come on, any guy with me? Inevitably! They're going to be out of what she wants. And I'm going to call her all frustrated, and she knows I'm frustrated. I said, Angie, they don't have it. She said, she'll say, yes, they do. 
you're looking too high up on the shelf. You go down one shelf. There it is right there. You see it? Yeah, I see it. How does she know exactly where it's at? Because she has studied each aisle intensely. She knows she's going to have to send me one day to the store. And so she studies the aisles, looking down what's on every shelf. Okay? And that is the picture that James is drawing for us. You intently, with focus, stooping down, look into the perfect law of God. You look into it. And it's just not a one-time thing. Because that verse goes on to say, and you continue to do this. You don't just look at it intensely one time. You continue to do it. The words mean to remain beside or near something. And I think all of us can see that that is a far cry from the hit and miss encounters that many of us have with God's Word. You see, the Bible through which God has revealed Himself deserves our careful attention. So, here's the deal. Here's our point of application right here on this particular point. If you have never read through the entire Bible, I challenge you to do that. Make this a top priority in 2015. That you read through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Just go through the whole thing. I know there's going to be challenging times. You're going to come to some genealogies and you're thinking, you're scratching your head, really? But yeah, it's God's Word. And just read through the whole thing. I know it's tough, but you can do it. At other times, you may just want to spend an extended period of time in one particular book of the Bible as you look intently at that book. Zane's got a buddy he plays ball with at school. In fact, this kid has been on, uh, he's been on our, uh, what's Zane at? He's been on our baseball team. He's been on basketball teams. Uh, he's, he's been on football teams. Uh, good kid. Uh, he's, a, he's a teammate of Zane's. His granddad lives in northwest Arkansas. But any time that grandson of his is, is playing a sport, granddad's there. He drives no matter where it's at. If it's down here in Greenwood or if it's over in Oklahoma or on the other side of Arkansas, I'm going to see granddad at that ball game because he's always there watching his grandson. And every time he's there, he finds me. I see him coming. I say, I'll say, Angie, here comes Grandpa. I call him Grandpa. Here comes Grandpa. He's looking for me. And he'll say to me, he says, oh, he says, I know you get tired of me talking to you, but, but you're the only one who understands this. Okay? And then for the next 20 minutes, I'll listen to him. He's telling me what he's learned reading the Bible. Okay? And he walks every morning, either walks outside or on a treadmill, and he's listening to the Word of God as he's walking. And about a year ago, for almost seven months, he listened to the book of Leviticus over and over and over again. You understand why he's saying, you're the only one who gets this? He says, I talk to people about it and they don't get it, but I know you get it. He says, isn't it amazing? And he'll go into the particulars of that book and talk. And he just, he does, he just can't get enough of it. He'll listen to it, then he'll listen to it again. and listen. He did that for about seven months. Every time I say, he's talking, you know what? That's okay to do that. You can take one book or one theme that is found in the Bible and you can look intensely into it. That's okay. I encourage you to do that. 
The important thing is keep doing it. And then a final word here to our Bible teachers. Those of you who teach Sunday school at night on Sunday nights or a Bible study during the week. I want to encourage you when your class meets that you serve up a feast of God's Word. We come to eat God's Word. And I learned a long time ago, I can't give you anything from God's Word that I haven't already feasted on myself. And so teachers, it takes hard work. You have to intently look into the Word of God. But I encourage you to do that. So the Word of God deserves our careful attention as we listen to it, as we look into it, and then number three, as we live out the Word. Look at verse 25. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it. And there's our phrase, doing it. He will be blessed in what he does. You see, church, it's not enough to just sit and listen to teaching and preaching. That's where it starts, but it doesn't stay there, and it certainly doesn't stop there. This process isn't complete until we apply the truths of God's Word into our life. Hmm. We can listen to the Word and we can look into the Word, but it still may not produce the transformation that God desires. Let me show you how this works. Verse 22. Do not just merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Literally, it means keep on being doers of the Word and not hearers only. So, incomplete or partial obedience is disobedience. You read it, you listen to it, you obey it. You put it into practice. Jesus said, if you continue in my Word, then you will be my disciple. And I don't know about you, but I want to be His disciple. So that means when the Word of God speaks to me, I conform to the Word of God. I obey the Word of God. Now, remember, James has talked to us here that the Bible is a mirror. And the Bible is reflecting our lives back to us. That's the way God uses the Word. So we need to give enough time and thought to the Word of God to allow God to show us the things about ourselves as we gaze into it. You don't just sit down and fly through a passage of Scripture. You look intently into it. You allow it to speak to you. You allow God to speak to your situation. You don't just read the Bible. The Bible's reading you. Now, let me show you how this works. Okay, Right here in this passage we're looking at, this is how it works. Verse 19, go back to it. My dear brothers, take note of this. Okay, So that gets your attention right there. Hey guys, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word that is planted in you which can save you. So here's the deal. You're, you're up early in the morning, you got your coffee cup, you've sat down, you're drinking a little bit of coffee, and you're reading the Bible. And you're right here in James chapter 1. You've read up to verse 19, and then you just read those verses that I've read to you, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit gets all up in our business. Huh? 
I mean, we're just kind of reading along, and then all of a sudden, there it is. God's speaking to us. And He's telling us, you know what? You need to take control of your mouth. And the anger that is spewing out of your mouth. And the reason that's getting all up in your grill is because right before you poured that cup of coffee, you had an argument with your spouse. And now you're holy. You know? God's saying, hang on, big boy. That's moral filth, pure and simple. It's part of the evil that is prevalent in our world. And you know what? You don't need to have any part of it. It's just like we just looked into a mirror and the Holy Spirit showed this to us about ourselves. And we know it's speaking to us. That we really are slow to listen and quick to speak and quick to become angry. And that that kind of anger isn't in keeping with the righteous life that God is working out in us. But you know what happens most of the time with most of us? We read something like that and we just ignore it. We think, oh, that pertains to, and we make a long list of other people that need to be reading that passage of Scripture. And then we just move on. We don't allow it to soak in and bring conviction to our hearts. Here's what we've just done. What we have done is looked into the mirror of truth. We have seen what the Bible says about our heart and the condition of our life. And we have walked away without making any change. And God wants change to happen. It's like, it's like looking into the mirror right after lunch. You've just eaten a, a hot dog with mustard and ketchup and you look into a mirror and you see this big blotch of ketchup on your white shirt it it dropped right there and you see it right there but you know what you don't do anything about it oh huh i dropped some ketchup on my shirt and you just walk out of the bathroom and you haven't done anything about it that's what the bible is saying in verse 23 Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and, after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Church, listen to me. Hearing is not the same as doing. You tell me, how can we read a a condemnation in the Bible about gossip and then walk away and start gossiping about somebody? How can we read a condemnation about sexual immorality and then go right out and commit sexual immorality? How can we read the instructions in God's Word about how to use money and then walk away and totally ignore it? Now, this process isn't complete unless there is life change that occurs in our life. That's what God wants. So we live it. But, but, but just look at what happens when we do that. When we live the Word of God. Not just listen to it and look into it, but look what happens when we actually flesh it out and obey it and do it. Verse 25. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it. He will be blessed in what he does. What a promise. Did you get that? 
boy, woo! God's going to bless us. And I don't know about you, but I sure want that blessing. And I know that God blesses the life that listens to and looks into and then lives out the Word of God. So do you want that blessing? Hey, live the Word. I'm kind of a, a Bible collector. I've got, I, I never have counted them, but I've got a, a bunch of Bibles. I've got some old, old Bibles uh, written in antiquity, printed in antiquity, and, and they're falling apart. They're old, but they're precious. I've got, I've got newer Bibles. I've got some pretty cool Bibles that were, that were uh, made in Scotland that are Highland goat covered. They have a full yap around them, and it's, oh, they're, they're awesome. Uh, no, that's not getting to you. I love Bibles. I love Bibles. I collect Bibles. I don't know how many Bibles I have, but this past week when I was writing this message, I looked around my office and just all the Bibles. I have the old Bibles, the new Bibles, the cool Bibles, and Bibles on my phone. Something, something dawned in my head. Light came on. It said this, Will, it really doesn't matter how many Bibles you have. Because if a Bible is just sitting on your bookshelf or on your desk, it's absolutely doing you no good. Do you have the Bible inside of you? It doesn't matter how many Bibles I own. Is the Bible where it needs to be? It's in my heart. In my life. Am I living it? Am I obeying it? Okay? And that's my question to you today. What a holy habit to create in your life. To listen to. To look into. To live out the Bible. And guys, let me tell you. It doesn't just happen. You can't try to just be godly and be godly. You train yourself for godliness. That's what this is all about. You create these holy habits. You train yourself to become godly. You train yourself to read the Bible, to look into it, to live it. You train yourself to do that. And you know what? Sometimes that takes hard work. I told the first service people, because I just thought of it when I was preaching to them, I'll tell you guys too. Uh, my, my daughter is a senior in high school, Callie. She's, she's a track runner. Okay, She loves to run track. We went to an track, indoor track meet. Uh, yesterday in Fayetteville, the University of Arkansas, their indoor track facility, the fastest indoor track in the world. It motivated me to get down there and run on it. But they, they would. I just wanted to see if I could go faster on that fastest track in the world. Y'all don't find that humorous, do you? I'm glad they wouldn't let me down there. Tra Callie's, Callie's a, she's a trackster. She runs track. Uh, she's played other sports. In fact, she was into volleyball, but she, she quit volleyball, didn't play volleyball this year because she wanted to focus on track and training on track. Uh, she's a senior. Her sophomore and junior year, she won the 6A state championship 300 meters. She's a, she's a repeat in the 300-meter hurdles. Okay, She, she wants to be a, a three-peat. She wants to do that again this year and, and, and win the state 6A championship and hurdles. So she's training for it. Okay. She quit all her other sports and she's training for track. All summer she's trained. All fall she's trained. We've got a track coach up in Fayetteville. And once a week we'll go up there and she'll run with this track team. And I mean, she trains every day. You know, a couple of years ago I was watching her run at a track meet. She was a sophomore. And I looked over at Angie and I said, why isn't she running faster? 
just run faster. And I'd yell at her, Go faster, Kelly! And Angie looked at me and she said, You know how... You, you ever gotten a look like that from your spouse? Like, you idiot. She said, She's going as fast as she can go. Go faster, Kelly! It's my thinking, just go faster. Here's what she's done. She's trained to go faster. That means, that means every day of the week she's doing something. She's, she's lifting weights. She's running on a track. She's running hills. When it was 15 degrees outside and you were sitting by a fire, Angie and Callie were on Armistead the street behind me running the hills. I'm so glad Angie's helping her with it. You don't try to run faster. You train to run faster. So I was watching her down there yesterday on the tra fastest track in the world, University of Arkansas, and you know what? She's faster. She's faster than she was last year. Is it because she's trying to be faster? No! She has trained to be faster. When I'm eating a cheeseburger and french fries, she's eating chicken and broccoli. Listen to me. You can't just try to be godly. You've got to train yourself to be godly. And church, that's what I'm calling us to today. To make this commitment. To make this a holy habit in our life. To put the Word of God at the forefront. To train ourselves to be godly through listening to, looking into, and living out the Word of truth. I'm going to ask that you bow your head and close your eyes. Here in a moment, I'm going to invite you to come and pray at the altar and, and perhaps you want to come and make that commitment to God today that, that this is going to be a holy habit for you and you would just, just want to nail it down and commit it to God. I encourage you to do that. Something special about coming and doing that in church. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never been saved. Well, I encourage you to come and receive Christ as your Savior. He can change your life. He can, he can come into your heart and make you a new person just like He did for Deanne Melton in our first service. You can be saved today. If you're here today and you're a Christian, but you're away from God, I encourage you to come and recommit your life to Him. Or if you've got some huge problems that you're trying to deal with, come and ask Him for His help. But use this time to talk to God. Whether you do it there in your pew or here at the altar, the important thing is that we listen to God and we're obedient to Him. Heavenly Father, I love you and I thank you for this day that we've had and this time in your word. Lord, for those who need to come and pray, whether to be saved or to recommit their life to you or to give you their problems, or maybe to come and, and commit themselves to this holy habit.